0: Hello, hi, Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the Gospel of Luke, and today we're going to be in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 26, which hopefully should be familiar to me since I just preached on it yesterday. Uh, but there are a few things I didn't get to say, so uh, we'll be able to talk about that and anything else. So we're in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 through 26, where we read this. One day soon afterward, Jesus went up to a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. At daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and chose 12 of them to be apostles. Here are their names. Simon, whom he called Peter, Andrew, Peter's brother, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. When they came down from the mountain, the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area, surrounded by many of his followers and by the crowds. There were people from all over Judea and from Jerusalem and from as far north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those troubled by evil spirits were healed. Everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him, and and he healed everyone. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor for the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets the same way. What sorrow awaits you who are rich, for you have only your, ha- your only happiness now? What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now, for a time of awful hunger awaits you? What sorrow awaits you who laugh now, for your laughing will turn will turn to mourning and sorrow? What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds, for their ancestors also praised false prophets? And this is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: Uh, One of the things I would have talked about, which would have turned a long sermon into a very long sermon, is this idea of now versus the future, which is very present. Like, you know, what awaits you? Like those who, you you know, choose this path now versus what happens in the future. Um, And I, I think about this is kind of a natural thing for us to think of, especially if we're parents or, you know, of young people, or if we're young people who are planning for the future, this idea of wanting to balance present happiness with future happiness, this idea that if we choose really to invest in happiness now, there are so many ways that we are going to hamstring our future and maybe even create disaster and misery for us in the future. Whereas if we're willing to delay some of our happiness now and make longer term Investments for a better future. We can have some happiness now, and much more in the future. And and you've talked about this before. I don't know about if it's been in the devos or not, but I know it's been a common topic to talk about different types of happiness. Like there's the hedonic happiness, which is just what we might call pleasure, and there's the eudaimonic happiness, which some people might call joy. This more kind of uh, longer term fulfillment. I think one of the for me one of the great examples of the difference between these kind of happiness. Happiness is, is the lifetime happiness maps for people who become parents. People think that having children will make them happy, but all the studies seem to point to the fact that you're most happy when you're in your early 20s, when you're on your own, you finally have some money, you're able to kind of manage your own happiness, you can make all your own choices, and you can do whatever you what pleases you. And you never seem to be as happy as, as that moment until... All your children are grown and move out of the house and you finally have the same freedom that you had in your 20s. Like So when they map these graphs out, those are the peak points of happiness. And that middle section of of having children is this real trough, especially when kids are very young and when they're in in high school. But what those graphs don't map out is kind of uh, maybe a term that we might call satisfaction or this deeper joy, because people who have children almost... (laughs) almost never, uh, regret that. And they look back on those moments as being deeply meaningful in a way that simple happiness or pleasure could never account for. And that's why we make these investments. And that's what I think of with some of this now versus the future talk that Jesus is making. He's not talking about just being, you know, uh, out of our minds, delighted with pleasure in the future. But I think he's talking about kind of a a deeper kind of happiness that uh, sometimes we refer to as joy. Uh, It reminds me of Hebrews 12, where it says, for the joy set before him, or consider Jesus uh, uh, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and scorned its its shame. This idea that he goes through this suffering now because he sees this joy that is on the other side. So we're willing to make this temporary sacrifice for now to have what can never be taken away later. And so I guess that's what I would have um, loved to have had time to bring out is this idea of of now versus the future and how in so many spheres of life, we are willing to make sacrifices now for a better future. But sometimes it's difficult for some of us to make that transition to that kind of thinking when it comes to faith, to realize that this world is not our home, that the, that the ultimate happiness we're looking for is not going to be found here. And and our futures are much longer than even just this lifetime. And so we want, need to make wise choices that, you know, you're not supposed to be miserable now. And I think there's ways that you find even deeper happiness, even right now, by making certain sacrifices. But in the end, there's also the, the promise of what comes in the future when we all get to celebrate to, together in, in, in ultimate joy and celebration and solidarity. So anyway, Dave, I'm wondering what you uh, think of that and, and maybe uh, other things that are, are from this passage.
1: So I, I think that so often, uh, the, and the, the, while there's a truth, right. in delayed gratification and, you know, that all that kind of stuff where you trade a little bit of unhappiness now for a much greater amount of happiness later. Right. And, um, but I actually don't think that's what is in this passage. And the reason, well, it, maybe it's a little bit of both, because um, he he does talk about this kind of chronological distinction. He, uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, um, God, God blesses you who are hungry now, for you will be future satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. So there is a sense of, hey, now it's tough, but better times are coming. Um, but then here's the, I, I think the interesting thing that gets a little bit lost in the NLT uh, I'm not sure that the NIV makes it, you know, glaringly obvious, uh, but it's at least better. So this word, God blesses you who are poor, that's actually, in the Greek, that's not what it says. It, what it really says is is actually, like, you are happy whenever, da da hey, Or happy are you when? And you kind of think, well, no, <laughs> I'm not happy then. But I think this gets to the whole distinction you were making. That, that that there's this hedonic, you know, happiness, pleasure, which is is actually the most superficial kind of happiness, uh, and and then there's um, the, this eudaimonic happiness, which is much deeper, right? It's connecting to a purpose, it's meaning, it's substance, it's joy, as you said it, and and so that there's so many people, and I feel like we have a, an age that is so committed to our happiness, right? Americans are promised the you know the pursuit of happiness, and and yet we've misunderstood what that means and actually in our present age people are just seeking you know momentary pleasure and and the reality is if you're looking for momentary pleasure i guess like drugs and licentious sex would be right i recommend right like that that, if that's what you're looking for but the problem is and and many people in our culture are going that direction right just self-indulgence is really what i mean uh and many people going that direction and we've been able—we've got the means to a- indulge ourselves in ways that other generations could not have thought possible. And yet, our suicide rate is climbing, uh, you know, astronomically, because that's so empty. We've traded—you, daimonic, this this sense of purpose and meaning, and 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 that deeper joy that comes from knowing my life matters. What I'm doing is making a difference. There's just this sense of like, I matter. I'm being used for something there's something so beautiful and engaging and joyful about that, even when it's hard. And I mean, even just to the trivialities of, you know, being on a sports team and you're really suffering and, you know, you get, you know, your body's aching. Well, that that's not pleasure, but there can be this deep sense of joy in accomplishing it in concert with other people. And I think that, that, as you pointed out, parenting can be the same way. I think, you know, serving others, sacrificing for others. Why would anybody ever sacrifice for others? If we're really trying to pursue is happiness? well, if you're trying to pursue temporary pleasure, no, nobody would. But if you're trying to pursue actual joy, well, yeah, that's actually the only way there. Right? That sacrificial love is the only way to get to that kind of of really, you know, happiness, true, enduring, substantial happiness. And so I think that's that that piece that we so often miss. And I think this is a little bit what Jesus is pointing to in a sense: is you know, those of you who are, who aren't pursuing your own pleasure, you experience real happiness, real delight. But those of you who are just simply trying to, you know, superficially indulge yourselves is what he's talking about, the sorrows. It's, ah, how sorry. And because again, it's not just sorrow awaits. It's actually, you know, sorry are you, sad are you who, do, who live that way? And how many people do all of us know? All of us can name people who have it all, right? They've got popularity, they've got money, or they've got status, whatever it is that you, you know, we think will make us happy, and they are so miserable. All of us know these people, and yet somehow, somehow we still fall for the delusion that is what I need to be happy. It, well, I know those kind of other people, they've got tons and tons and tons of status, tons of money, tons of privileges, right? You know, tons of popularity, and and, and they seem miserable. But if I had more of that, maybe I could be happy. You know, you're going to think, what, what kind of stupid logic is that? But the, the the truth is that that we so often fall for these kind of, I, I think, distractions from actually our true purpose in being human. All right. So enough of that. I That I, I, I was too long an excursus, but I just, I think it's such an important topic uh, that I want to talk about. But um, just a couple other things to point out quickly. I know we don't have a whole lot of time. Uh, it's just the, the fact that, that, uh, People are coming from all over the place to see Jesus, right? Jesus is is being known, and so people are coming. You know, for us this makes no big deal because we think, oh, you get in a car and you know, what's it going to take? Forty minutes to get from Jerusalem to Judea, uh, that's not a big deal. But but these people are walking on foot, and so you've got people who are coming from Tyre and Sidon, right? That's Lebanon. Uh, you got people coming from Jerusalem, that's way down in the south, and they've got to walk all the way around Samaria because of all the um, cultural issues. So it's like days and days. People are walking for days to come and listen to Jesus. I think that already is such an interesting thing. We just kind of think, oh, I don't really want to listen, read my Bible today. I don't really want to go to church today. Oh, it's cold out. Oh, it's raining. Oh, it's sunny out. And I want to go play golf. You know, whatever. We take it so, I think, casually that we have this access to the word of God. And yet sometimes we can be so flippant with it. These people walked for days to hear Jesus. to to learn from him, to listen to him, to to have this sort of voice from God. And and again, I just think that's kind of something worth paying attention to. I point out many times, for those of you who've been with me for a long time, you always know that every time we look at this list of disciples, it is deliberate, right? He's pointing out all of these people. Jesus had a bunch of disciples. He did not need to choose these 12. But he specifically chose these 12. And I think it's going to become more evident, actually, in the devotion we do tomorrow, why he's choosing these 12, because he chose 12 people who would not get along deliberately right the tax collector right the the roman collaborator and the zealot the the anti roman basically anarchist terrorist what would you call those uh, let's put them together okay i'm going to teach you guys how to love and and if you can love each other right, right. the whole world's going to know you're my disciples and and i think that's what we we think oh we look at some of the other people in our church we look at people who vote the wrong way and people who you know just think the wrong way and think, oh, you know, I could never really be friends with them. But I actually think this is the point of church, right? If we section off into churches with people who agree with us, we've missed the whole point. If we, If we're together in church with people who make us a little uncomfortable, that's when Jesus could actually say to us, like he said to this group, if you can love each other, the whole world will know that you're my disciples. So anyway, we'll get into that a little bit more tomorrow. Oh, got so much more I, we could talk about in this passage. It's a great one. <laughs> but we've at, we're out of time. So I, I think maybe I should close this in prayer. Pray that would be great. Lord, how easily we chase after shiny things. God, I pray that we would be people who would follow Jesus, who would serve like Jesus, sacrifice like Jesus, love like Jesus, so that we might have Jesus's joy within us. And I pray that we would have a day of genuine delight, of joy, no matter what our circumstances are. As we follow you, as we serve you, as we reflect you to others, as we serve, you in Je- serve others in Jesus's name. God, may we experience the joy of Jesus alive inside us. God, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.
0: Well, everyone, thank you for joining us. And I pray that you come back tomorrow as we talk more about this radical kind of love that Jesus invites us into. Go in peace.